This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hey, Blueshirt Breakaway fans, welcome to the special trade sad edition, losing Yandel edition, sad edition of Blueshirt Breakaway. Greg, say hello. How many different things are we right now? What What did you even just say? I was making it up on the as I go. It's pretty much my entire life. That's the slogan of our podcast. So yes. there we go. Yeah, there we go. So I uh, want to just get right into it. Let's do it. All right, Game of Thrones was pretty good last night. <laughs> we'll get to that. Okay, uh, NBA Finals was pretty good last night. We might not get to that because I really just I, I I can't do. I don't care. I care. I, I gotta tell I, you. I care. I might say like two things. But, uh, oh, yeah, what, what was the big Ranger news? We're a Ranger podcast, right? Oh, yeah, uh, we, uh, we? G- gave up the right, I think so, sometimes. We gave up the rights to uh, Keith Yandel to the Panthers for a sixth-round pick and a conditional fourth, likely on the basis yes. of signs there? Yes, hmm. correct. So, um, we have a lot to say about this, I'm assuming? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, a lot is uh, – that's a interesting term. I mean, I don't think there's a whole lot to say about it. I think it confirms what most reasonable Ranger fans believed, which was um, Yandel wasn't coming back. And can it we, just can we coin it didn't the term, make sense with – say it again? Can we coin the term reasonable Ranger fans? I mean, we're few and far between. Really? Really is not that many. Not, not calling you guys out, but I've seen some uh... – some very, very angry people on the internet. But that's just the internet. Yeah, it's, it's just... I... You gotta fix the defense, first and foremost. And you don't fix the defense by running out the exact same defense you had last year. And regardless of how well Yandel played in spurts with the Rangers, I just... He doesn't make sense from the Ranger team philosophy that they're trying to install on the blue line. Um, he was kind of, you can't have, okay. okay. I'm wording okay. this poorly. You can't have Yandel and Boyle on the same team, right? And just the same way you can't have, Boyle, well, you can't have well, Girardi install on the Boyle, same team. Boyle, but that's really Boyle's gone now there. too though. So we, now we lost that entire line. Well, Yandel is what? He's going to get $6.5 million per year. He's too expensive probably, for this team. On the free agent, we are in cap On the free agent market. Yes, he is. We're in cap hell, and we're not in a position. We need more than one defenseman to fix what's going on on that side of the ice. And giving Keith Yandel $6.5 million is not the solution to fixing the Ranger woes. It just never was. At the same time, uh, if the Rangers legitimately considered themselves cup contenders, which that in and of itself could be a debate, that the Rangers probably should have been smarter and should have taken stock of where they were at the trade deadline. And they could have handled 
it better. Well, I think hindsight is You know exactly how I feel about this, and uh, I've stated right. this many hindsight is, times. Hindsight is twenty twenty. At the time, I thought it would have been a bit ridiculous for the Rangers to trade Keith Yandel at the deadline. I think it was – this was a team that was playing hot. And this team they, wasn't good, know, and, we, and we both knew that. But they were playing hot, and all you have to do okay, in the playoffs they were is by, get hot. Not, not to argue with you, but to do exactly that. Uh, this team, this, how many bad wins did we have this year when we were like, oh, we won, but man, did that not feel good. This team was playing hot in a way where they were bipolar. Yeah, but the NHL, I get any playoff series, I guess, even, even football, like every playoff series, it's just a matter of getting there. And then really anything can happen. I mean, think about it. The goalie the Rangers faced in game one against the Pittsburgh Penguins was Jeff Zetkoff. We haven't even, we didn't even know the name Matt Murray yet. We didn't think he was anything. Right. And Mark Andre Fleury was still our big fear when he was coming back from injury. Anything could happen in the playoffs. And anytime you have a goalie as talented and gifted as Henrik Lundqvist, you have a shot. What we couldn't I guess what we were seeing towards the end of the season and I you know, it became clear as we entered the playoffs is that our defense was such a flaming hot disaster, and that includes Keith Yandel, that you would have needed some superhero form of Henrik Lundqvist that I don't think is possible from anyone, just because he didn't have the pieces around him to help him out, defensively speaking. Um, and I think it's important for Ranger fans to remember that as great as Keith Yandel was in stretches, he was part of the problem. I think Yandel was, at times, a defensive liability. Now, in a very different way than, say, Girardi and Stahl were defensive liabilities because Girardi and Stahl were net zeros. They gave you nothing. And Yandel, at the minimum, gave you offensive production, which helped the Rangers on the power play, which was poor, um, and even strength, pressing the puck, along the boards. Yandel had his positives, but did did Keith Yandel move the needle for me in his year and a half as a New York Ranger? I got to tell you, he didn't. I think he was uh, a bit of a luxury when the Rangers were good. And I, I did not see him as part of the solution to what the Rangers need to do and where they need to go. I, I thought, I, but, again, at the trade deadline, I wouldn't have traded Yandel because, I, again, I was under the impression the Rangers weren't going to be so, a flaming pile of shit come mid-April, which is what they turned out to be. I want to come um, back to Yandel I know real quick. you. Real quick, real quick. Yeah. I want to come back yeah, to Yandel in a second here. But but trading for Eric Stahl, like, at the time, I really didn't hate it because we only gave up like, two seconds in Sorella. But now looking back at it, we traded for a player that couldn't fit in our system at any point in time. We knew I – I'd be interested to hear, go back and listen to some of our older podcasts because I'm pretty confident that I was against the stall trade. But then when they made the stall trade, I was like, well, I guess we didn't give up a whole lot, so why not? But I don't think my opinion of the stall trade was ever. Right. Um, hold on, I guess hold we on, could have on. given up more. I got to pause. And we're back. Sorry, my dog had a barking fit because he hates the air around him. Well, you were saying something about how wonderful Eric Stahl is. 
Uh, well, no, well, that that is just a lie and a half. Um, no, I was saying, you know, my opinion. I would. Uh, I think my opinion of Eric Stahl was um, when the rumors were the Rangers would have to trade first round draft picks for him. That he was an unnecessary superfluous. superfluous? That's a word. He was a superfluous addition to the team. He was he was a um, a piece the Rangers just didn't need because even then, I think all of us realized the problem with the Rangers were their six defensemen, and they needed help. Well, center because, was our, our least needed position, which is incredible in this league. Right, and it's important to point out that I, did Eric Stahl even ever play center for us? I think two in, games, two three games, maybe. But mostly he was used on the wing, which was just a misuse of his talent. And he wasn't even on the top six rotation, which just continued to confound the point that you didn't really need Eric Stahl. And the Rangers, it didn't feel like they gave up a lot individually for Eric Stahl. But when you put that trade, as you did earlier in this podcast. Okay, you want me to, say, um, you want me to do the, it, the summary of all our trades? Yes, do it again. Okay, so the summary for the New York Rangers is the Rangers traded a first, uh, three seconds, Duclair, John Moore, Sorella for Chris Summers, a conditional pick, and a sixth-round pick. Yeah, and that's poor, especially considering the Rangers don't have the farm system to absorb that much of an asset drain. Let's be clear real quick. These last four years, with the exception of this playoffs, of Ranger hockey have been the most exciting Ranger hockey since the 90s, just to be just to and be perfectly clear. And let's be clear that the bulk of the Rangers' success have come from homegrown players. So it's not like the Rangers have poor scouting. Um, they brought in – they traded for McDonough when he was a prospect. They saw value in him while he was still in college at Wisconsin, though he was Montreal Canadian property. Uh, they signed Zuccarello. They – Drafted and signed Chris Kreider. Um, JT Miller. Hank Hank was a third-round pick. Yep. JT Miller was a first-round pick. Right. Brady Shea was a draft pick. McElrath. Dylan McElrath was a first-round pick, though I still think the argument is the Rangers probably shouldn't have used the first-round pick on McElrath. But that's besides the point. He's becoming a very useful NHL player. But the bulk and the majority of players the Rangers have currently, Derek Stepan, another homegrown player. Right. These are players the Rangers drafted and developed. So we know they're good at drafting and developing, which is kind which of we haven't done a, a lot of lately. A big kick in the, because we haven't had the picks. Because the Rangers, now, at the same time, when you're in a position like the Rangers were, which was a position of they thought, realistically, they were a couple pieces away from winning a title. And they're not wrong. And it's obvious they weren't wrong because they went to a Stanley Cup final, and then the next year they went back to the Eastern Conference Finals, which is as close to winning a cup as you can get. It's not like, these, it's not like the Rangers were sitting around 500 and then all of a sudden they decided to go in. They were a good team and they were looking to make their team great. So you, in the moment you can't be that angry about it. However, where the Rangers erred was this year. And I admit that I was part of that because I again thought 
hold on to, yeah, and don't, why not go for it? But I was also, I think I was very clear that if the Rangers made a move at the deadline, it had to be for a defenseman because you couldn't count on Girardi or Stahl coming back to play at the level we've seen them play at before. And even though I admit that I was hopeful that one of them would, um, there's a reason why I'm not in the Rangers front office and the guys that are there have to make those decisions. And to bring in Eric Stahl, which was a rental at face value, just it never really made any sense. It didn't make any sense. They didn't need him. Their problem was, I mean, the Rangers weren't exactly scoring at will, but their bigger problem was preventing goals. And totally agree. Eric Stahl was just not, he was not doing anything to help you on that front. So, all right, back to Yandel real quick, because I think we both agree that we don't, in hindsight, don't like the Eric Stahl trade, especially because we didn't have a place on this team at all. And that was uh, the most bothersome part. AV just couldn't figure out how to use him. And watching yeah. him, watching it was just frankly painful, and his production was pitiful. Uh, but back to yep. back to Yandel real quick. Obviously, we and we talked about the, this before the pod. A phrase we do say a lot here. Uh, we both missed Duclair in a big way, and he was our favorite prospect coming up for the Rangers in a long, long time. He's going to yep. be great for a long time for Arizona. And this is I preface this with saying this: trading for Yandel during that during the year we won the uh, President's Cup which is, you know, a meaningless title at this point in time. The Capitals know that all too well. Uh, we, the trade didn't irk me as much as it does that we did not trade him at this deadline. We could have gotten a very nice package for trading Keith Yandel at this deadline, but instead we became buyers, and that's why I brought up Eric Stahl before. We went to buy Eric Stahl instead of trading Keith Yandel, who would have been a valuable piece to many teams trying to make cup runs. I get it. Like you said before, you always try and make the cup run, and I think they're doing that because Hank is you know, on the tail end of his prime, and they want to keep him happy and keep him around, and that's why they want to keep this team competitive. But this team just went through too much. It's too hard to go back to back to back to back in hockey. It's just too hard. You play too many more games than everyone else. The Rangers played the most games before the, end of the, se- before the beginning of the season than every other team. It just doesn't make sense. So going back to it, it's just... I can't believe we didn't trade Keith Yandel, and now we end up with a sixth-round draft pick, and a, hopefully a fourth. I, I understand your frustration. I cannot – I you know, I, I totally get it. You're fair in your assessment. I think even – I mean, it's, it's hard to go back and think, like, oh, we all know the Penguins were going to win the Cup. I mean, at the time, no, we I was shitting on the Penguins. We didn't because know. I thought That's the fine. Penguins – right. Right. So at the same time, like the goal, my, my problem with the Rangers is that they decide not that they didn't trade Yandel. It's that they not, they just made the wrong decision to be buyers. It's one thing to, to make that decision to be a buyer, but if you're going to be a buyer, you have to address an area of need. And the Rangers just didn't do that. They brought in a redundant piece in Eric Salt that they already had on their roster, which is why he could never crack the also, top six forward rotations. All right, so I have like, a question. I have a question. I, I think I think you're, the frustration I have with the Rangers is that they didn't stand pat. I almost would have rather just been like, you know what? We have Hank. We have a decent offense. Maybe the power play will work itself out. 
let's just go into the playoffs with what we got and see what happens. Okay, here, here's my question. It's a, it's a roll of the dice once you get there. Let's talk about this. If we were going to be buyers and we were going to be real contenders this year, why did we trade Carl Hagelin? And not that he was like this big deal uh, on any other team. Well, that was – I'm pretty sure that was a cap casualty. Uh, they couldn't afford him. But but just even for this year? Yeah, I, I think the I, – I don't think the Rangers at that time thought they had the money to bring back Hagelin. Okay. At the price he wanted to come back at, I think. Well, he was still uh, like we, Haglin, were, we weren't going to sign Haglin him, but it's not like we casualty. got. It's not like we got crazy amount of uh, value back for him at all. You got to remember, people were very high on Emerson Adam at the time of the trade, and they thought he was going to be a player that was going to succeed in um, AV system. AV system, and again, it, hindsight's twenty twenty because you have to remember that you know Haglin didn't work for the Ducks either. He was looking terrible he was in the first half of the season. It did not seem like the Rangers – I mean, the Rangers made a poor decision because Adam didn't work here. But at the time of – even at the deadline, we weren't thinking the Rangers made a bad decision with Carl Hagelin. It just so happens that Hagelin went to the perfect situation for him. And he got paired up on a line with Nick Bonino and Phil Kessel who helped bring out the best in his abilities like it, he did when he was in New York. The line he played on in New York did similar things for him. But that, that, one, that one's hard to be angry about because, you know, and at the same time, when the Rangers traded Adam, you know, people are high on Nick Jensen now. Nick Jensen had a very nice summer in the World Championships playing for uh, what is it? De- I think he was playing for Denmark. Um, he had a couple nice goals. He had a nice run with the Wolfpack, and he is a low-cost, controllable piece that'll be interesting for the Rangers moving forward, especially when it seems like they're going to need more low-cost, interesting, controllable pieces. So the Hagelin trade, that's just, you know, seller's remorse because he eventually got traded to the world champions. There's, but he, he was dead in the water in Anaheim. So I'm not really – he went to the perfect situation. I can't be angry about I'm that. Not, I'm not angry. You it's, more about trade, the, you it's more about the philosophy of we were going to be buyers. We want to have all our best players. So now we get rid of a piece for a younger piece. I strongly, I strongly believe the Hagelin deal was a pure uh, cap casualty. The it's, Rangers it's fine. were spending just, big money – they were spending big money on other players, and you can make the argument that they you know, shouldn't have been spending big money on other players, i.e. Mark Stahl and um, Dan Girardi. But, the Wonder Twins. I mean, look at the Blackhawks. This offseason, the Blackhawks are in even more cap hell than the Rangers are. And the Blackhawks are continuously in cap hell, but as long as they have guys like Duncan Keith, Brent Seabrook, Patrick Kane, and Jonathan Pays. It doesn't really matter if you're in cap hell. No, it doesn't. And their scouting is so good that they can afford. They cut to Kevin Hayes. Trade, but they cut Kevin Hayes. They traded Brandon Saad last year, and last week they they had Brian Bickle, who has just an absolutely terrible contract that they needed to get themselves out from under. And what they had to sacrifice to get out of that contract was Tevu Taravainen, who looked great in bursts last year, and the Blackhawks were so deep that Tara Vinen was never able to get a crack on the top two lines. But he's a great prospect. He'd be 
the best prospect by an arm and a leg in the Rangers system. Better than Pavel? And the Blackhawks, Blackhawks didn't want to make that trade. Do you think they wanted to give up Taravainen? They had no interest no. in giving up Taravainen. But that's what it's going to take to get rid of your dead contracts. And if Guess Ranger what? fans need to take note, if you want to move Dan, first of all, if Dan Girardi agrees to be moved, that's the first hurdle. The second hurdle is if you want to move Dan Girardi, the Rangers don't have a table Taravainen to package with Girardi. You'd have to package Brady Shea and probably Bustovitz? Chris no Kreider. There's, you'd, you'd have to give up a lot to get some team with cap space out the butt to eat that contract. And the Hurricanes have a ton of cap space, which is why they're willing to take on Bickle's sunk cost, which is what he is, to get a player like Taravainen. That's how you, when you're a bad team trying to be good, that's how you do it. No, and I, the Rangers if I'm a Hurricane fan, I love a, that. Yeah, and the Rangers, we don't have a Taravainen to package with Girardi if Girardi even wants to be moved. Girardi could easily say he doesn't want to be moved, and then then you're really up shit's creek without a paddle. Which but just came out this week, and he has, anyway. he has no move the rest of his contract. Yeah, you're already there anyway because we don't have a Taravainen to move with Girardi. So you just got to hope that at some point in time, Girardi agrees to a buyout because if that's not your hope, then you're praying to God that Dan Girardi goes back to being even somewhat of a reflection of the Girardi he was, which might've been a league average player at its best. And we, we might not be at that point anymore. I think uh, the team's not going to buy him out this year either. I'm pretty confident that they won't buy out Girardi. No, I think you're a year away at least. Um, most, mostly because, again, after the Rangers have enough holes on defense that they also need warm bodies to I, fill up their roster. I think the front office kind of knows that they're not going to be that team this year. They're listening to a ton of app, uh, of offers on, on Stepan right now. and uh, Well, I, I think goal number one for them is try to reload as opposed to rebuild. They want to, I agree. You know, and so, some ways to do that are trading what you view as your best players that are underperforming for some other team's best players that are underperforming, and just hope that the change of scenery makes a difference. Um, doesn't always work. Or trade your best players who time. you believe are overperforming, like Broussard. Right, but the Rangers aren't in a position to. Oh, sorry, I'm also watching some. U.S. diving trials, and some guy just ate shit. Okay, but, uh, brief, brief moment. We talked. We, you said you were going to watch diving because it wouldn't distract you during the podcast. Not only did you straight talk about diving for 15 minutes before this podcast and would not do a recap with me, but you just brought it up on the pod. <laughs> so well, This guy like, okay. this guy almost belly flopped. You're like, ooh, pool, diving. So. It's, it'll be fun to watch. Uh, I could just have it in the background. And I won't. I won't break it up. It's fine, Ryan. I, you're, the, you're a fucking monster. Look, man. I love. I love, Oh my god, he got three across the board. Oh That's no, four. that guy's um, done. Not look, going to Rio. I love Olympic sports, so I'll watch any Olympic sport. What's your favorite Olympic but, sport? Now that we're off topic. Um, don't, don't say ooh, basketball. Good question. It is not. I, I don't think Olympic basketball is that entertaining. Um, yeah, because America just wins. You know, it, it's, it's close between just about any sprint track and field oh, event. Oh, really? Uh, uh, from the 100 
the relays are amazing. I'm a huge fan of the four by 100 relay. I like that. Uh, but I gotta tell you, the swimming is fucking exciting too. Um, I thoroughly the, enjoy the best part. Okay, go. Cool. Best part about the Olympics before you it's jump okay. in. It's okay. I the like I can say the sprinting and the swimming are my two favorite things, and the Olympics are smart enough to never overlap the two. They always do swimming in the first week, track and field in the second week, and it is perfect because I get both, and I'm a very happy camper. I like the Winter Olympics a little bit more. Um, so I like the curling and, uh, and bobsledding, big fan of curling, but I will say, uh, I, I'm going to be super nerdy here. Love me some badminton, like in a, in a very weird way. I have this crazy attachment to badminton. <laughs> I have this stupid attachment to team handball. Whoa. And I think the U, the U S is just, they should just like get a group of NFL players that are bored during training camp. And be like, we're gonna just put you guys on a team handball team. <laughs> like, just like imagine Drew Brees on a team handball team where every other team is doing these like dink and dunk passes, and Brees is just standing on the other end of the court and just throwing lasers <laughs> to. And like the best part about team handball, so it, it's it's like lacrosse without the stick, right? And you can't go, you can't shoot in the crease, so you get Drew Brees. To just throw freaking missiles to like Antonio Brown, Clayton Kershaw, and then just let Kershaw <laughs> unwind a 100 mile an hour fastball at someone yeah. in the crease and be like, I, I fucking dare you <laughs> to get in the way of this ball. Yeah, that would be, like, uh, it'd be dope. I, it'd, be, it'd be dope. We have got off the rails and I love it. But, uh, yeah, oh, what else? What else is a great underrated Olympic event that? I only care about what water polo. Never in my life will I watch water polo outside of an Olympic year. But in the Olympic year, I'm like, let's go. This what is a, great. Water I'm all pretty in. exciting. Uh, I, I really prefer winter. Like when you do cross country skiing races, I, I don't know how they do that shit. That is amazing. I see. I'm, I'm partial to summer uh, just because I guess it's because I feel like the U S has a, better chance in oh. just about every event well yeah we crush like everything. in the winter it's all sweet in the winter olympics winter olympics we we struggle outside of like snowboarding right i feel like we do very well in snowboarding but the, the cross-country event you just mentioned oh russia uh, russia and all those middle eastern countries it's, it's every scandinavian country like norway yeah finland mm-hmm. they're great at it and then like downhill skiing it's austria they're great um, yeah, I, I feel like I'm a fair weather fan when it comes to the Olympics. <laughs> I want to win everything. Yeah. Like, I, I, I don't care about rebuilding. I don't want to hear that we're going through a slow period in, like, women's gymnastics. No, no, no. I expect fucking gold. And if you don't give me gold, I am very disappointed in you. All right, let's end this on a sad note then. Do you remember, like, in 2010, the Winter Olympics hockey when we went to overtime versus Canada? And can uh, I remember not going there. I remember my, the house I lived with. Uh, you and I were not great friends. We were not. Junior college. We're uh, we were acquaintances, I would say. Barely. <laughs> I think I knew of, I think we knew of each other's existence. That's correct. Uh, but I don't think you ever came like, I don't think I never, you ever came over to any of our house parties or anything like that. I don't think so. I was probably playing Super Smash Brothers Melee somewhere. Yeah, but our entire house eight of us living in this house in Lower West, 
the day of the Canada game, we just said for all nope, our listeners, nope, Lower West is a dorm nope, on Marist College. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Very, very nice dorm. One of my favorites. Um, our entire house said, "Nope, fuck no, not going to class today. Uh, go get some thirties. We're gonna watch hockey all day." And yeah, that was uh, that was disappointing. Um, I'll never forget. All that city, stuff. city took won the face off and just went down and scored. American hero, Ryan Miller. Anyway, where were we? The Rangers. We suck. Something Um, about the Rangers and and how we hated all those trades. Uh, Yeah, not great. But we're we're 10 days away from the opening of free agency. We're not going to be the podcast that sits here and tells you our wish list. Uh, We've already done that once. I think we've done that more than once, let's be honest. You and I are both at a point where – at, at this time, we're just curious to see what the Rangers are going to do. Oh, yeah. I think that's where we are. And I, of course, I want them to stay in contention, but but part of me is secretly like, it's time to rebuild. So. Well, here's the thing. Like, if they just make a couple small moves, like trade Chris Kreider for a defenseman, you know, the Rangers could still be a wild card team. And again, once you get there, that's – you know, oh, I still think that, I still think the this, this team's going to compete. I don't think they're going to tank. Um, it, it'll be, but I think they will be retooling a uh, a lot more than I would have expected at the beginning of last year. Anything can happen in the playoffs. Anything can happen. All you got to do is get there. Because again, I don't. The Penguins were playing great hockey going into the playoffs, but in March. I wouldn't have said the Penguins were going to win the cup. I no. probably would have picked. I think you said a lot of bad uh, things about the Penguins. Uh, yeah, because I didn't think they had the depth. And then it's just, you know, perfect. Uh, uh, we saw what happened. I, I was wrong, and I'm willing to eat that one. Uh, I'll eat that but, Penguin. But, you know, fair, fair being fair, the Penguins are playing like shit in December. Um, either way, once you get to the playoffs, anything. Would you have, I, would, I, did, I did not see the San Jose Sharks. Winning no. the West. I would have had the uh, Capitals versus the Kings. I think I had the Blues, and uh, I probably would have been right there with you on the Capitals. I get that. Um, but, yeah, so getting there is part of it. And at the same time, are, you, are we as disappointed in the Rangers season if we beat the Florida Panthers in round one versus – uh, just getting manhandled by the Pittsburgh Penguins? Yeah, probably. I, I don't know. I am. I mean, we're probably having the same talk unless we win the Cup, to be honest. Maybe we're a little less uh, angry if we get to the Eastern Conference Finals again. Well, I don't know. Well, here's the thing. I don't know. Maybe it's a blessing in disguise that we played the Penguins round one and they just exposed all our weaknesses. Because if we – if the, let, let's live in a hypothetical world where the Rangers won in round one. Okay. So uh, we it was lost. a good series. It was a close series. Mm-hmm. We beat the Panthers, and then we go to round two, and we're playing the Penguins. The Lightning. And we take them. No, we was it played. Lightning round two? Would have been the Lightning. Would have been the Lightning. Say you go seven with the Lightning again. Mm-hmm. So, man, if you go seven with the Lightning, and all of a sudden that's a toss-up series, and you're thinking to yourself, man, if the Rangers make a tweak here or a tweak there. We come. We run this back with this roster one more time. Uh, I, I guarantee you, if the Rangers win, if the Rangers are wild card, win round one, and go to game seven against the Lightning. Yeah. Uh, the front office is finding a way to keep Keith Yandel. 
I don't think we're talking about the Rangers trading his rights to the Panthers. It's incredible what the, the difference it makes in a few, uh, just a few games. But we, and we you know, we, so. we might be sitting in this spot a year from now after the Rangers have extended Yandel, paying him six and a half million a year, and and he's not young. You know, he's he's not. If you were if no, you gave him a six year deal, and if the Rangers took a significant step back next year, trying to run it back one more time, we're in an even worse place. So maybe, maybe. It ain't Just the me. worst thing in the world that the Rangers had an early exit, their weaknesses were exposed, and they're doing a real deep, hard think on how to make their roster better and more manageable for the future. Maybe it's not the worst thing in the world. And we, I guess we will see how that plays out in the next, in the coming weeks here. Um so I think that's all the Ranger talk we have for today. If you are, are just listening for us for our Ranger advice, why are you listening? Um, but uh, I think we'll move on to some something near and dear to your heart, Greg. Do not bring up the fucking Mets. I will hang up this goddamn phone. Okay, I think we'll move on to something else. <laughs> <laughs> I will, let me just, say, just let me just say this. All right, let, before, me, let, before, me, let me give your wait wait before you say the story. I want to just tell you this. I was driving. Um, to Astoria, where our, our dear friends live this weekend, and I drove past City Field. wasn't paying attention to the game at all, and they have the scoreboard on the outside, and it just said 6 nothing, Atlanta. And I was like, oh, man, I can't wait to call Greg. <laughs> <laughs> um, how to fix the Mets in five steps. That's oh. what I'm going to call this segment. Okay. I don't think this fixes it, but, you know, they're 36 and 32. If the playoffs, playoffs started today, the Mets would miss by half a game. Um, we're not even in the wild card anymore. But then again, neither are the Pirates or the Cardinals, which is fucking weird. That the wild weird. card game right now would be the Los Angeles Dodgers and the fucking Miami Marlins. I was just about to ask you about the That's Marlins. your wild card game if the season ended today. That's weird. Which is also a sign that, you know, I shouldn't be panicking because we're not even at the halfway point yet. Nope, nope. And anything can happen. Anyway, um, so step one's easy. Travis Darnell comes off the DL on Tuesday. Okay. Yeah, the most he's just been bad. There's no nice way to sugarcoat it. He's been piss poor. So you send Ploiecki packing to the minors. Hopefully he gets himself straight. Now maybe he increases his uh, trade value and maybe you can move him for something else. Cause I don't, the argument of will the Mets have to move Travis Darno off their position to make room for Kevin Ploiecki might be over. Uh, you might need to move Travis Darno away from catcher, but it ain't to make room for Kevin Slowacki. Right. Um, so that's move one. Move two is a bit of a fucking pill to swallow. You gotta send Conforto down to Vegas Ooh, to let him clear his fucking head. You gotta do it. He is his batting average since May first is one fifty six. Jesus. Christ. And his. OPS is 321. That's, That's awful. six weeks of baseball. So this isn't just a slump. This is, there is something wrong. And Michael Conforto will be fine in the long run. He's going to be fine. He's going to come back up in a month and he'll be fine. But you know what? Every now and then, the, the Mets did this a couple years ago with Darno. He was just flat out struggling. They sent him down to Vegas. He worked on some things. And he came back, and he was a world beater again. Sometimes you just – Conforto's a young player. You, you, you can't bench Conforto. That doesn't help him. You have no. to play him every day. But at this – the way he's playing right now, you cannot play him every day 
in New York. So you, de- you demote Conforto. You just bite the bullet, you do it, you let him figure it out, you call him up in a month uh, near the deadline. Move three, you got to bring up Brandon Nimmo. Uh, he's mashing the ball like he's never mashed before in AAA. He's hitting 327 for the season. He's hitting something ridiculous like 400 over the last four weeks. He's hitting for power, which he hasn't done before. Ever. I you, didn't even you know gotta, that. You got you to gotta give Nimmo a shot. He was your first-round pick in 2011. It's not like it, – it's taken him a while to get here, but, you know, he was a young player coming out of Wyoming who never even played – high school baseball. So I'm not surprised it took Brandon Nimmo five years to get to this point. You kind of expected that. You call him up. You give him a shot. You play him every day. If it doesn't work after a month, Conforto's back here anyway, you send Nimmo down. Or you get rid of Alejandro Deaza because he's a fucking waste of space. But (laughs) uh, that's move three. Call up Brandon Nimmo. Move four. Can I guess? I think. I, yeah, go for it. Is it Dilson Herrera? Uh, no. Wow. Surprisingly not. Okay, I'm wrong. Uh, I, I still think move four is you get Danny Valencia. Okay. Uh, You've been on this just, train for a while. I have, because not only does Valencia – Wilma Flores has been great at third base, but Danny Valencia can also play first. And I don't care what James Loney is hitting. I don't want James Loney in my lineup because he's a glorified single hitter. <laughs> I don't want that in my lineup. I'm fine with Loney as like a bench bat, a pinch hitter, and a defensive replacement for Valencia in late innings, if that's what you want him to be. There's a reason why James Loney was playing in AAA for the San Diego Padres and not given – a MLB job on anyone's 25-man roster, and that's because he's just not that good. I think it's really that simple with James Loney. I mean, um, the Rays cut him, I know, and they're still paying him. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think you got to bring in Valencia because your lineup is better with Valencia and Flores in it versus Flores and James Loney. So I, I still think Danny Valencia has a place on this New York Mets team. And uh, move number five for me, if I had to do a fifth move that isn't Zach Wheeler coming off the DL, uh, I might surprise you with this one. I don't, I don't know if you're going to expect this one. I'm not. I'm not ready, I don't think. I think you go out and you get Chapman. I think you call up your Yankee buddy. Oh, what? I think, I think you bring in Chapman. Again, it's not like the bullpen is the problem. Uh Wow. But this is that's there are a hot only take. so many there are only so many moves the Mets can make offensively because another reason why Valencia works is you're not one hundred percent angry at yourself if at some point when Lucas Duda comes back that Danny Valencia is your first bat off the bench, right? You can straight platoon him with Flores at third, you got Duda back in the lineup. Tough lefty pitching, you got no problem putting Flores out there. You're cool with Valencia on your bench. Um, And you're not getting rid of Granderson. You're not getting rid of Tespitis. You're not getting rid of Estrubal Cabrera. You're not getting rid of Neil Walker. Unless someone else gets hurt, there really aren't a lot of moves the Mets can make, offensively speaking, to make their lineup better. It's give Conforto a break, bring up Brandon Nimmo. That solves left field. 
and it's bringing Danny Valencia because he can play third base and first base, and it gets James Loney out of the lineup. And that solves first base until August when Duda comes back. Right. Um, and you're not going to make a move for a starting pitcher because the starting pitching is great. No, there's and no way. And you're getting Zach Wheeler back. You're getting Zach Wheeler back in a month. And you're going to have to make the decision of who the hell are you moving out of your starting rotation to the bullpen? Or are you rolling with a six-man rotation, which honestly is looking more and more likely again? Because I just I think um, – some, the Met pitchers from their innings count last year, I just think some of them are tired. Uh, I think the it's Grom, probably a good call, it, to be honest. I, I think DeGrom's fatigued. I think Harvey's fatigued. Uh, I, I don't think you want to burn out. Um, you don't want to burn out Syndergaard. Nope. Uh, and Matt's, you're kind of always feeling like you're playing with borrowed time because he's had so many injuries in his career. Um, Albeit short. Right. So then you look at the bullpen. Familia has not had a good season. He hasn't had a bad season, and he's been better of late, but he's still putting a lot of guys on base. And Addison Reed has been phenomenal, but Addison Reed, this is as good as it's going to get. If anything happens with Reed at this point, it's either he somehow stays the course or he regresses. He's not going to get better. Um, we've seen enough of Antonio Bastardo to know that at this point, he's basically a glorified long man. Yep. I don't think there's a single high leverage situation. You feel good putting Bastardo in the game. I agree. Jerry, Jerry Blevins is a situational lefty. He's here to pitch to Bryce Harper. But, uh, I don't want him ever facing a right-handed hitter. Yeah. Blevins is fine. Uh, Blevins is fine. Hansel Robles is kind of in the Antonio Bastardo situation right now can i just say something i love how you were like all right i'm just gonna give these five steps and that's it but i'm also gonna go through the entire mets roster and tell you how i feel (laughs) (laughs) this is is what i do with the mets yeah dude i think yeah i think the crazy weird move the mets should make is they should call the yankees and be like listen you guys are arguably at best the fourth best team in your own division not arguably the rays are garbage so well, still, the Rays are young enough where they can make a surprise. The Yankees aren't young. That's like, true. What they're playing like now is what you're going to get. Um, and at some point, I think the Yankees need to take a step back and be like, this is it. You know, we need to get a couple prospects in here, and we just need to clear some salary, do some things, come back better, stronger next year. And Chapman is going to get – a better return than the Yankees gave up just because so many guys are going to be interested in them now. Yep. But if I'm the Mets and I'm like, Hey guys, listen, let's do Gavin Cicchini. Who's a top 100 prospect. Yep. Short stop. We'll, we'll do Cicchini. We'll do our first round pick last year, Desmond Lindsay. And we'll do our best pitching prospect, Robert Gazelman. For okay. Chapman. I think the Yankees at least listen to that offer. They definitely listen. They certainly listen to that. If I'm the Yankees, I'm listening. I'm like, oh, what the hell am I doing with and, this guy? I have him for one more year. I'm probably getting, not even competing. And getting Chapman for the Mets does twofold. Makes your team better. It also prevents the Nationals from getting Chapman. And it prevents the Cubs from getting Chapman. And sometimes that's what you got to do in baseball. It's not just... 
make your team better. It's prevent your direct competition from getting better as well. That's true. And that's, you know, I, I doubt it'll ever happen. I, I, I would give it a 0.6% chance the Mets ever get a role this Chapman. Um, I like those odds. I think there's a better chance the Mets sign Uleski Gurel out of Cuba than Cuber? them getting Chapman. Cuba. If, if the Mets are going to add someone from Cuba, they're going to add uh, Goriel before they add Chapman. Perfect. Well, this has been and your, I, this I, has I been your Mets 20, 27 minutes with Greg. <laughs> they're, they're your five moves, though. They're okay. your five moves. You, I like you, it. You activate, activate Darno, trade for Valencia, demote Conforto, promote Nimmo, trade for Chapman. That's, that's what I think would help. I like it. I like all that, except I'd probably bring up Herrera, too. Just, just well, my personal opinion. Then don't trade. Uh, if you're going to bring up Herrera, don't trade, trade. for Valencia. Valencia. Yeah. You might not need to do that. Someone outside is blaring yeah. music. At, uh, that's okay. All right, so... This is our throwing up in the podcast, right? This is the time? Is it time for Thrones? Yeah, I think so. I was saying throwing up, but yeah, Thrones works too. Uh, thanks, yeah. thanks everyone, for listening today. Uh, if you're not caught up on Game of Thrones, you should probably go now. There's a big spoilers coming, because we're going to talk about last night's episode for at least five to ten minutes. Uh, have a great time this week. Have a great summer. Happy first day of, uh, oh, let me tell everyone about my special holiday. Today is waffle solstice. So if you're out there and you're listening, please eat a waffle. Uh, it's a thing that I made up that I really like. So Proud yes. you, bro. thank you, man. <laughs> I really appreciate it. Maybe I'll tell that story another time, but, uh, so thanks for listening. Uh, we'll come back probably next week. A little bit of free agency talk. Maybe break some more rager news that goes down, but we'll, once free agency starts, we'll do a whole free agency show. And uh, hopefully Ranger Town gets back on track. Uh, did I mention that? There, there, oh, there is still a 5% possibility that we record a live podcast next week. This is true. We will be in Mohegan Sun together this weekend, losing a very much amount of money. A very much amount of money. A very, <laughs> a very much amount of money. Uh, I did a very depressing thing to get ready for Mohegan that I will tell people if they ask in the comment section on Reddit, but okay. I will not share it on this podcast. Interesting. I'm, I'm interested. Um, all right. That's, that's good enough. So everyone that wasn't listening for us to talk about Thrones, we love you so much. Thank you for listening. Follow us on whatever you can. All right. We'll it, see you soon. It's Thrones time. So what, was last night the best episode of Game of Thrones of all time? Ooh, um, that's hard because just about every penultimate episode has been just straight fire. Oh, uh, episode nine, ep nine is always spitting the hot ones. How about how about this? I, I don't know if this was the best Thrones episode of all time. Okay, that was the best fight scene I've ever seen in a movie or a TV show ever. I I want to say that. It- I will say yes, that is true. It did seem cartoonish at points to me, but I was on the edge of my seat the entire time when John was underneath all those bodies. I literally felt myself losing oxygen. <laughs> yeah, I and the thing like the thing that I the reason why I think it's the best fight scene of all time is because they did not glamorize this at all. There was nothing. Oh no! Fun, it, it was enjoyable just... or beautiful about it it was gruesome it was at some point horrifying and you felt stressed watching it all i think 
Uh, I, I, I think it's safe to say both you and I, it, it, it's safe that I went into that episode expecting Jon Snow to somehow come out victorious and Ramsey to die. And yet I'm watching that episode and I'm like, all right, I know what's going to happen, but fuck me, how are we getting there? And can we just get there already? I'm having a panic attack. Yeah, it was it was really something else. Like I, we both knew that like the Vale Riders were coming, uh, pretty much, right? We talked about that on this. We were like, okay, Peter Baelish is going to come through here. But I, it really felt like, okay, well, when is this going to happen? <laughs> I don't know. Well, uh, what kind of freaked me out is the pile of dead bodies that allowed them to get encircled. Uh, I that that pile grew pretty fast. I don't know how that wall became so quick, of uh, just full of dead bodies and them getting encircled by spears. That was very. Brutal. Well, go on, go on. No, I just, I'm, I'm curious. <laughs> like, there is a scene in the fight where, like, Unwan and um, Tormon are like, you see this shit? And they're literally just watching the Bolton army walk through them without giving them any kind of notice and then surrounding them. At some point, are you just like, you know, they're not paying attention to me. Should I just run up behind them and stab him a couple times like what's going on <laughs> like why what? were they waiting to be surrounded was yeah. my question i felt the same way uh it was kind of weird that they were just sitting there and being like okay well now now that we're surrounded now what so um thrones is very good about there's nothing said in thrones that doesn't become important later yeah and i think I think Thrones did a great job of misdirection with that this week in the sense that um, when said dudes were just marching through Jon Snow and everyone was like, well, this is interesting. For a second, I thought, wait a second. They just saw Ramsay shoot arrows into his own troops to build this wall of dead bodies. Maybe these guys are doing what John thought, which is they see John commanding his troops in the heart of battle. And they see Ramsey killing his own troops away from the battle. And they're like, you know what? Fuck that guy. We're turning on him. We're joining you. I had that moment where I was like, Oh damn, this is about to happen. And then they started poking and prodding people with very sharp sticks. And I was like, "Never mind. Never nope, mind. They're, they're, they're killing him. I love how John didn't listen to anything Sansa told him. Like, Sansa was like, wait, listen to me. I know exactly what's going to happen. And John was like, yeah, yeah, I know. And then he was like, oh, I'll fall for all those exact tricks. But at the same time, Sansa's like, listen, I'm the only one that should be giving you advice because I know Ramsey Bolton. And then Jon Snow was like, all right, tell me what you would do. And she's like, <laughs> the stupidest I'm not going to tell time. you that I sent – I'm not going to tell you that, by the way, I have a cavalry coming. You're just going to have to find that I out I wonder on your if own. she knew at that point in time that, that the cavalry was coming, if she heard back from Little that would, that would be the um, That would be the argument as to why she didn't tell John, right? Because she doesn't want to tell John, like, hey, whatever you do, don't worry. The Knights of the Vale are coming. They'll bail you out. So right. do you. And then them not coming, John's just like, fuck. Well, here's creek and there's my paddle um, <laughs> so like on one hand maybe that's why Sansa didn't say anything but on the other hand Sansa just comes riding on up with the, yeah, and the she like, and she, she's like what's up I'm here with all of these 
these amazing army. She wasn't just like she wasn't chilling with you know eleven year old um, lady Baron. whatever the fuck. Oh yeah, um, old bear. She was like she was like yo dog check out my horses. Uh, yo, I have this entirely like, oh, well trained mounted army to come take your shit off. And I also love the Knights of the Veil. Their strategy was, we're just going to charge through you. We're literally <laughs> going to... Well, they came they from behind. GTA, they, had, they had no shelter. They GTA, they GTA 5 the shit out of them. They're like, we're putting this car on the sidewalk, and we're just going to run motherfuckers over until this car explodes. And that's it. And then John and uh, Torben and 1-1 just chased Ramsey into Winterfell. And they were like, you know, he's like, we can hold Winterfell. That door went down immediately. Yo, R.I.P. 1-1. Bro took more arrows than were, I thought, used in the fight. (laughs) I think he, at some point, was just picking up stray arrows and stabbing them into his body. Yeah. By the way, can Rickon run a little zigzag for me? Like, just... Why run the fly route when you can (laughs) run a post? Yeah, like, run the post, buddy. It's fine. Like, do a little serpentine and have a great time. Like... He just ran straight, and John ran right or, at him. Or another idea. Here's an idea. Ramsey shoots the arrow. Stop. <laughs> Stop running. Stop. Turn moving. around. Look at the arrow. Move. That's what you should do. Like, if you see him fire an arrow, just run sideways for a little bit, and then start running forward again. And then when you see him fire another arrow, run the other direction. Start running. Like, you don't have to be a fucking idiot. <laughs> To not get shot by an arrow. Yes, I from, agree. Not get shot by an arrow from what? What would you say? Three football fields. Yeah, and away? also it's not like Ramsey. I'm sure he's a pretty good ar- archer, but he's not like a, a professional military, you know, personnel. No, no, he's got a he's got to count for wind. Yeah, conditions. Yeah, he's humidity. pretty. He's pretty good at skinning people alive, but bow and arrow, I'm not too sure. Just you know, sometimes, man. The quickest road from point A to point B actually isn't a straight fucking line. <laughs> do some zigzags. Do some fucking zigzags. Just literally do anything else besides what you actually did. Like, yeah. try something else. You, like, from the steal a great line from Forgetting Sarah Marshall, you're doing too much, do less. That's <laughs> unbelievable. Preach. Preach. Um, but we should also mention, I know we're going on like, Jesus Christ, over an hour for this yeah, podcast. Almost. Uh, some shit going down with Danny, though, huh? Oh, I was about to say that. Uh, finally, Tyrion gets a good episode this season. Uh, it was really nice Power. to see him back in form. And then Danny with the... all the, You know why we didn't see Ghost in this episode? Because all the CGI money went to those dragons. Uh, oh, for sure. Yeah. Wait, wait, are you saying Ghost isn't real? No, no, Ghost isn't real. <laughs> He's a ghost. What? Um, yeah, yeah, what? yeah, yeah. But... I like I like how they they went up and were like fuck this ship in particular and they, they just destroyed that one ship on purpose. Obviously, it's because it's, it's because they're taking the rest of the ships for uh for their travels west and with the, their new friends the Greyjoys who have a lot of sexual tension with Danny. I will say. Here's here's my one question about that entire sequence. Okay. So I get I get Drogon I get Danny just riding around. Okay, I think but, I know uh, what you're gonna say. <laughs> but the other two dragon yes, are yes. just like. You know what? We've been in this fucking building. We've been on chain for, for six long goddamn, goddamn episodes. And you know what we're going to do? Now. We're out now. We we, we, we are... were unchained. We got Django unchained maybe six hours ago. 
or six months ago, however long time travels. And they're like, you know what? This, this cave we're in here, this dark, shitty, damp room we're in, kind of like it. Yeah, yeah, it's good And here. then, like, of all days for them to decide, you know what? Fuck this joint. The rent's too high. Was It's not coincidence, right? Did they, like, sense Danny was home? It's like, Mom's home. Time to come out of our room. Yeah. Was I, that what was going on? I, I don't know. They just popped out. I was like, this is where they were? Because we, I think we had this talk once where we said, like, so what's up with those dragons? Are they just chilling? Like, <laughs> like I get it. They're in CGI timeout because they cost too much money. But, like, am I, I guess we're supposed to believe, like, Mom showed up. They sensed Mom was home. And they were just like, we're busting out of this joint. I will say, Dro- uh, Drogon does look really good in CGI. Yo, no, he's ripped as shit. Yeah, he's, he's ripped as shit. He's, he's a good he's dragon. On that, he's on that P90X, bro. He really is. He's doing those those ab rippers. He's killing it. Uh, but um, Great app, though. Yeah, that was that was great. And the sexual tension between um, Danny and, uh, and Yara, Iron Yara. Drone Chick. Yeah, yeah, whatever her name is. Yeah. Uh, loved it. We're waiting for that sex tape to drop right quick. <laughs> uh, now I will ask. I will ask you this. Sure. This shoot. kind of. I think this episode hinted at another reason why um, I think a Danny John alliance will work. Oh, go on. Because, um, so what? Yara, right? Yep, Yara. Iron Throne hotness lady. Yep. Um, her whole thing is look. You do whatever the fuck you want in King's Landing. We just want the Iron the uh, Iron Islands. And oh, then he's like, "Oh, I like this take. You'll you'll get the Iron Islands, but understand, I just need you to do a couple things for me." And they're like, "All right, I suppose that's fair as long as you get the Iron Islands." John and Sansa are just going to be like, "We just want fucking Winterfell." Oh no, John and Sansa are going to be like, "Hey, look at this zombie army. Please help us." <laughs> Well, John's gonna so John's gonna be like, "Yo, we got a problem with the zombies." But Sansa's gonna be like, "Yo, just leave me the fuck alone." True. <laughs> I just I just got here. I'm not getting raped anymore. Life is finally good again. Can you just like throw me a bone? Give me Winterfell. If someone rebels against the crown, I guess I'll send someone to come help. But for fuck's sake, can you just leave me alone? Oh, and like- I think they, like whereas the Lannisters would be like, "No, fuck you." Danny would be like, yeah, sure, whatever. I want my Iron Throne. You, I don't want Winterfell. I just want Winterfell to be under my rule, and if something happens, you come help the brother out. And I think Sansa would be like, yeah, cool, no problem. I think, and then John's uh, like, that's great that you two are scissoring, but these zombies. <laughs> and yeah, so I don't, think, I don't think it's going to be like that. I think the zombies are going to be at Winterfell. Um, that's my prediction. I... Interesting. Well, I don't here, know. Do you know why I, I think, think that? I think they're going to be beyond. I think they're going to be beyond the wall. No, I don't know no, 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 no. And I will tell you why. Here's here's my prediction. Little Bran, little Bran has the touch of the Night King on his arm. Oh, right? we we talked about this. Yeah, and he's we think break. that the wall has some magical has, it, power to yes. keep these fuckers. And out. as soon as Bran goes through, that's it. It's over. Yeah, it's over. Yeah. That, that's how the wall's magic believe, gets broken. Yeah, I believe that. I see you. Yeah. But I think it's pretty clear. We've we've like. There are two things that kill White Walkers. These Valerian steel swords and dragons. Yep, so and, either dra- and dragon the, glass, yeah. Yeah, so either the dragons and the swords are going to team up, or the White Walkers are just going to kill everyone. And I don't think there's going to be any in-between here. 
I, I totally agree. Last thing, how satisfying was it to watch Sansa have Ramsey be eaten alive by his own dogs? Uh, pretty great. But the, I, the I, will, smirk, I will admit. The smirk on. And I, I will admit. Are you about to say what I'm about to say too? I don't know. I'm going to let you say it first. All right. I kind of like Ramsey as a character. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to miss him. <laughs> oh, no, I was going to say that. Okay. Uh, it goes back. I was texting with our friend, Mike Eric Gemma, who okay. is all about the dire wolves. They're his favorite character. Okay. All he does, whenever he texts me, he's like, yeah, what, where are my wolves? I, they better not be dead. So for a split second, I was like, oh. wait, wait, is that, is that Ghost? Is Ghost oh. going to deliver the See, I wish blow? Ghost would have came in and been like, what's up? That's it. We're going to have you eaten alive. But... Yeah, where is Ghost? Nah, I don't was, know. I have no idea. Where was Ghost? Like, it's Ghost me. is always just by John's side, and all of a sudden, Ghost in the, in is the books, in the books, Ghost is always chilling, like always, like yeah. always next to John. But for some reason, this episode, Ghost was like new phone. Who dis? Yeah, who <laughs> new phone? Who dis? Uh, yeah, the smirk on Sansa's face at the end there was priceless. I'm gonna miss Ramsay. He was a great villain, the equal of Joffrey almost. I think Joffrey's a better villain. Um, yeah, I gotta tell you, man, Sophie Turner is quickly rising up my power rankings of damn she's hot for game of thrones do you wait, I, she's I, been, are we about to do a, a game of thrones uh women power ranking because i did this a lot on my vacation uh we can i will just I do it i'll just do my top three give me top top three top three i'll let you go first because this I'm, I'm gonna have to do some thinking okay this is tough um for me number three is that short-haired girl the doran short-haired girl who's like i'm the most beautiful woman in the world to brand when uh to Bronn when they're in the dungeon Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I really, got you. Really into that. Then Daenerys has to be number two because it's Daenerys. And then uh, number one would definitely be Marjorie for me. It's not even close. It's not even close. Oh, God, there's so many good-looking girls. Mar- Marjorie is something else in my in, entirely for me. Um, it's not wow. even close, bro. If we're doing top three. Uh... I would go top five, but, like, I was trying to put the pressure on, you know? All right. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to tell you right now, Marjorie okay. snub for me. Oof. Uh, She's not my top three. I think number three for me, um, Sansa. She's just been dope. Uh, number two, I got I to gotta think for Melisandre, bro. Okay, I, think, I like it that. Red, it, it might, it I might like be redhead. It's Sorry the redhead. It might be redhead. It's the red hair thing. Um, this has become a total bro yeah. podcast. In case you're wondering. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna. <laughs> it's right now, number number one is easily Danny, but number one used to be Egret. Like not even close. Egret oh, was my. Well, yeah, Egret's up there also. I she she's definitely yeah, top so five for I, me. Yeah, oh, God, I got a redhead. Thing. She's probably top. Um, she's probably on number four for me, just personally. If 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 we're allowed to do dead characters, we are. As yeah, well. definitely, definitely allowed to do dead characters. Oh, oh, well, that changes everything. Then yeah. yeah. Oh, I don't think it changes anything. I think Danny's up <laughs> there, my top five too. I love uh, e- e- just the redheads, man. Okay. Santa, Egret. I get it. I get it. Malasandra in I've... some order. Give it to me. Give him, love give, it. Give him the red. And this has been a podcast about the New York Rangers. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for hanging out again. Um, we've gotten a surprising amount of listens for the offseason. I'm, I'm very proud of, of everyone hanging out and, and chilling with us while we're, we're waiting for hockey on October 13th. October, yeah, October 13th versus the Islanders at home. Well, that's the home opener. I don't know if that's a season opener. Probably not. I don't know if, if that's announced yet. But if it is, I haven't, and we do I haven't apolog- checked. We do apologize for not potting last week. One of us was an asshole in Montreal. And Montreal is a great city. I ate everything. That's it. <laughs> everything. <laughs> everything. Yeah. We'll talk. We'll have another food pod sometime this summer, I'm sure. I'm excited. Cheerios. Very high up on my list. Me too. This has been much longer than I expected. Greg, I love you, and I will see you on Friday night. 
Friday night, bro. I will be. What time are you getting in on Friday? Probably late, like ten or eleven. We're just going to doing our plans on the podcast be, now. I I will be at least four Long Island iced teas into my day. If so, anyone was wondering, like, hey, I really want to hang out with those Blue Shirt Breakaway guys. We'll be at Mohegan Sun all weekend. See you there. All weekend, <laughs> um, and we're having just a grand old time doing it too. And like, we will talk about really. We will talk about this, uh, what happens to us at Mohegan Sun, how much money we lose, how much we, money we win, and what happens at our friend Norm's on Sunday, which we will explain next week. And we should also, <laughs> we say our friend Norm. Our friend Norm is like a 77-year-old man. This is true. <laughs> he's, he's the sweetest human being in the world, though. Okay, and I could not, like, let's I, I am so excited to see Norm and Betty and spend a lovely afternoon on let's the Let's take two seconds to explain Norm to our listeners. Oh, by the way, the uh, five Norm people is, that, that Norm have is made the grandfather this far. everybody wants. Yes, but can never like he's he's grandpa from the Rugrats. He's, he's a, the guy. I'll let you go. What okay, you he's he's a say? former a former pharmacist who now drives a hotel shuttle to Mohegan Sun from a Marriott, who wears a hat that says Stormin Norman. Yes, <laughs> that's that's, um, that's how I describe him. That's how we met him, but he's become just. So much more to us. He legitimately is a member of the family, and if I ever decide to get married, he better be there because <laughs> I don't know what life would. And you know what? Norm wouldn't just come; he'd cry. He would shed tears of happiness for just the love in the room because that's the kind of man Norm is. He is the greatest human being I have ever had the pleasure of meeting in a shuttle to a casino. A very limited spectrum of people. But we did it, everyone. All right, everyone, he's, thanks he's for listening. Great. We'll have more stories next week. Thanks for hanging out. Love you all. Uh, peace out. Bye-bye. We'll be, at, we'll be at Mohegan Sun. Come find us. You can email me at Gmail if you want to know where we are. We'll, I'll be around. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for three forty nine dollars a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.